Jackson! Welcome to the 225 Podcast with your host, Noah Ray, Andrew Cargill, and me, Matthew Alvazzotti. Oh yeah. Yeah. What a fun week we have planned. Yeah. The other two, the other three podcasts have been going very well. They were We're very very excited. Our TikTok's blowing up. Um, Follow us, the 225 Podcast on TikTok and Instagram. Um, yeah, we also have Sebum Energy Drinks once again. Yeah, well, we bought a room. case, so Everyone? we're going to be drinking these. Everyone? Shh. Mine was already open. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've been rolling for a couple minutes now, yeah. but we just now started live, and this great idea just came to us. A new segment on the podcast. It's not sus or not. It's this week in training. A so weekly we're gonna- recap. What did you say? Training. A weekly yeah, 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 yeah. So I think save best for last. Yeah, I think Drew had the best training week for sure. I had a pretty good training for, or the past week and a half. Yeah, and I think just, he's been really blowing up and getting like yeah, still really strong. He's still starting to click for sure. Still I think it is, and that's exciting. Um, you can go first. Feel free. Cool. So I think just to set the ground because we're going to have very different things everyone's doing mm-hmm. um, because he's a lot closer to a meet than any of us. I think you are the closest venue than I me. I think you're 12. I'm like 10. Yeah. Right. Just so mind you, I'm like eight months out just to put out there why I'm doing something. So I don't know. I've been doing a lot of tempo work, working on my keeping knees over toes, knee valgus on squat. That's been really great. I hit, what was it? 315 for a set of five, four seconds down, two in the hole and four up. That was awful, but... Definitely Solid. getting stronger. I mean, I think I started at 264. So that was a pretty good increase in like four weeks. Yeah. Um, been doing a lot of just bench technique. Um, you know, one and a half bench, three second pause, that type of stuff. Larson that's been moving well. And then deadlifts has been buttery. I'm doing tempo. Woo. But tempo on the way down and my form is just clicking. So what so does that do? What does that help? Form on the way down enforces... Um, your back positioning. Mm-hmm. So most people, like we talked in the co- earlier episode of my hot take of not slamming your deadlifts, slamming the deadlift encourages and enforces kind of the rounding of the shoulders, which you're like, I'm done with the lift. But when you have four more deadlifts and you're doing a higher set, you really want that upper back strength because it keeps your shoulders back and locked, keeps your chest up. And that's, you know, a lot of people deadlift and they lock their knee, knees out first but then they're having to overcompensate and overextend. So it just kind of works on keeping your chest positioning really good. So you're not really like collapsing and that could be totally wrong, but that's what I understand from it. Well, me and Matthew also happen to have the same coach, uh, Miss Becky. Love you. Shout out Becky. Um, And we actually are both kind of working on similar aspects because for my deadlift, when I failed my third attempt at States, my shoulders, you could see, fell forward, and I completely lost all tension in my upper back. Um, and it then ripped out of my hand. So it was a grip strength issue as well as, you know, kind of form falling apart. Even though strength was there, had it, but, you know, form fell apart, stuff like that. So um, for me, I'm also doing similar stuff to that. I hit a – I've never done Larson press before. I did 275 for seven RP, like seven and a half. It was good. It was pretty easy. Larson's brutal. Yeah, that was fun. I actually enjoyed it. I, I'd never done it before. Um, I'm working on a lot of hip mobility, knee mobility, because I've struggled with some, you know, knee and hip pain in the past, and it's starting to feel a lot better, which nice. I'm really excited about. Um, I'm starting to squat with very little minimal knee pain and deadlift with minimal hip pain, which is nice. Um, bench always going pretty well. Like I said, Larson was good. 
I did a SSB bar split squats yesterday. Yeah, dude. I went really light, so it wasn't that bad. But I can see in four weeks when I have, you know, pretty heavy um, sessions of those, it's going to be terrible. When you get to around like two plates. Pounds, yeah. I did like 100 pounds, I think, with the bar, maybe a little more than that. I mean, it wasn't too bad for sets of eight, but like yeah. when I when I have to load up like so 200 pounds on that, I'm not looking forward to yeah. that at all. Um, but yeah, so my training week was pretty good. And this is also my first week with a new coach, Coach Becky. Um, so we're still figuring each other out, kind of learning different cues yeah. with her, how to communicate well and stuff like that, which is exciting. But everything's going good. This week, I would say I had a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So my week was good. Drew? Yeah. Drew had the best week by far. All of us. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to, but I had a good week. The pet, uh, about a week and a half ago, I was supposed to do uh, heavy, heavy-ish doubles. I think squat was like 473. It was pretty decent. And then deadlift was supposed to be 484. Uh, last Wednesday, so it was that week ago. Something like was, that. Almost a week ago. Yeah, yeah. So we were there last Thursday. And I was there with Matthew at the gym. And we were going in. Dad was feeling great. Like, I was feeling great. Everything's moving. Form was clicking. Give him some backstory, though, as to why it hasn't always oh, yeah. felt great. So, about a year ago now. Yeah, about a year ago now, I severely injured my back. Severely. I think it was a very minor herniated disc or bulging disc. And... I was out for like eight months and sucked. Long way building back up, but finally got back in the healthy ring. And so it was with Matthew. We were doing kind of the same way. It's building up super nice folk ring. I can't remember what happened. A bunch of stuff outside of the gym, kind of like going on the phone. And I was getting really pissed off. And so it's quickly turned into a ego lifting session. You went off program. I went way off program. <laughs> I'm sorry, James. Yeah, shout out, James. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. But um, went way off program. Instead of 484 for doubles, I went up to 555 for doubles. And then that felt really good. So I'm like, no, we're going up. So I did 575 for a single. That moved really good. So I'm like, all right, we're going for 600 today. What was your PR before injury? Before injury was 589. Yeah, so this was so all was time PR. PR yeah. All time. It was PR. all time PR. Before that, like after injury, it was 529, 530, whatever it is there. And missed. I couldn't even get 555 off the floor, which sucked. Mm -hmm. So to come back two weeks later and hit that, it was stupid. Don't ever go off program. <laughs> it's Trust there the process. For a reason. <laughs> I was just an idiot. I was pissed off and I needed weight. So we did that. Ended up getting it very wooden passing comp. The lockout was not. It was a lockout and drop. Could we show blow up the video? Yeah, I can pull. Yeah, it. all right. Three, two, one. Video. I'll take this. I get like too. like four second audio. Yeah. Okay, back to you. Okay. <laughs> and then um, so that one saw a toll coach. He was pissed. More than reasonable. <laughs> and then uh, we didn't change during much. I felt great. Like, I was expecting to be wasted and exhausted. I felt great. This week, I had 90% uh, for single. So, squat, I had 507 for, like, four sets of singles. Uh, deadlift. What's I do on deadlift? 550. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, 545. 545. Yeah. We can round up. It's fine. Okay, good. Who else in your deadlift is 550? Not many people, so... <laughs> We can round up. I'm about to see a bunch of comments. Yeah, I, yeah. I bench 550 or something yeah. like that. Your dad. Yeah. Shout out to his dad. 
Benches, benches are deadlift. <laughs> but uh, deadlift, I did a handful of singles and then did 600 off of blocks, which blocks just elevated it about six inches to work on the lockout and my grip and did that for deadlift. That's high. That's a awesome. lot of room. Yeah. A lot of range of motion. <laughs> but speaking of kind of going off program, I, I think have a, all those, you went off program for your first time benching 225. So I was about to say, that's a perfect transition. Yeah. I think there's a time and place to go off program. I disagree, but I Whoa. will say first thing, first time I ever hit a 400 plus bench press, I went off program heavily. Oh, I remember. Yeah. I so remember Drew was this. coaching me at the time. And I think my PR at that point was like, I think I had 385. So I was relatively and I close. I think that was what your top set was supposed to be. Like a, a single from kind of what my max was. So like whatever percentage that was. Yeah. Was. We had a pyramid, so not crazy all out, but a heavy. Still relatively heavy day. And when I tell you, my bench never felt as good as it did on that day. I think I did 375, so three reds. And when I tell you, it felt like there was nothing on the bar. I mean, it was insane. I sent the video to the whole group chat. Everyone was like, just go off program. Like, just go up, like bench four right now. I did 375, 385. 396 and then 402 and it still moved super good you lied about one thing you sent everybody else to video except me oh yeah i sent it in a group chat and drew did not see the group chat so (laughs) i did not send it to drew (laughs) but um, yeah exactly but it was exciting so that was fun but kind of back to your point i going off program i think that you should trust your coach and be like i want to be able to do this with 100% confidence instead of being like, oh, I feel good this time, so I'm just going to do it now. <clears throat> I think waiting a lot long term and trusting that process of, you know, the four or six week block or whatever that I have that goal. I think instead of just being like, oh, I feel good this day, like, let me just do it. I would rather be 100% confident and be like, okay, I've worked up to this. Now I'm going to do it like no problem. And it's like not a big deal. So here's where I come from. Mind you, last prep, I did not. I missed two reps the entire prep. And that was my third attempt on squat and deadlift. So I didn't, I rarely ever go off program and I'm not going to miss a rep during prep now. I used to, and that was a whole nother time in training. But I think the reason I say that is like when you hit your 405, when you hit six, when I hit first 225, even my first 500, I mean, it was supposed to be around like a 484 and I went to 507 that day. The reason I am for going off program is for an experienced lifter. And not that we're super experienced, but if you're someone who's like, I just want to max every day, that's obviously the not the right mindset to go off program. Do not pull singles every day. But there is a time and place if you're an experienced lifter where you know it's there and you know that there's a day because I think you pulling six, what that did for you mentally will go so much farther than if you had just done 555 for a double same with you like benching 405 is a big feat you went off program but hitting that it gives you it was like yeah and like it was the same time first time i benched over no deadlifted over 405 big difference (laughs) you were there and i was supposed to be doing pauses and you know i had 385 and it felt great and you guys were like load up 405 i hit it then i loaded up 415 i had such a mental block for 405 like i think for someone who knows themselves well, there's a time and place to go off program. I think the mental barriers are big. I, I would agree with that. Like, I think I've hit mental barriers, big. not even just weight wise, but I remember I went through like a four week span where bench press was just like not clicking. Yeah. I failed something yeah. that I should have hit. It was like board press. 
and it was like 385 for two. I, you were there. Yeah, like I was holding the board. And um, like I failed that and that just like messed me up for like four weeks. And I don't know why it did that, but the mental barriers in this sport are so important. Like you have to go into training, go into prep, go into all this stuff, like 100% confident in your abilities for what you can do. Because I went through, you know, that four or five week span and my bench press plateaued, if not yeah. dipped. Like I was struggling benching like 350, 360. And for someone with my bench, like I, that shouldn't be a problem. Like yeah. doing that for sets of three should not be an issue. And I mean, it was like a horrible struggle. But then after, you know, I kind of worked my way around that. We both worked through that and ended up figuring it out. But I do agree with breaking past the whole mental barrier thing. Because once you bench or squat or deadlift past that, big number even like past like a 50 number like 550 450 350 whatever i think that that unlocks a lot of potential in you that i think a lot of people you know kind of get nervous and scared and are not half the sport i believe is on okay half the sports no i'd say more yeah like it's a strength is obviously going to help you 100 percent but i mean crap two weeks ago before the city of the hunter i missed five to five not even like couldn't get it up it was a did not break the floor it does not budge one bit. And it was a then hit that and then I did it for five sets singles. Like it's a like it's easy, a like no problem. Broken yeah. out. It wasn't afraid of the weight. It's a okay, it's now bad. Like I'm ready to go. Yeah. Especially I couldn't even imagine the mental blockage with going through like an injury, like what you did. Like, because obviously in any sport, the last thing you want to do is get hurt. Like getting yeah. hurt should be like top priority of things to not do. Um, so I could not imagine kind of going through that mental barrier of like, oh my gosh, I don't want to get myself hurt, but also I don't want to train to where it's not really even doing anything. It's so light. Like you're taking it so carefully. So like going around that and finding that middle ground, it's, I think it's super interesting to kind of see your journey. Yeah. Cause I, cause we've known each other. We've been living together for eight months, eight months now. So, so I've, I saw you when you couldn't squat and now seeing you and deadlift and now seeing you kind of grow out of that mindset of like i'm gonna be safe but also i'm confident in my abilities and i'm confident in my forms and all that stuff i think it's super interesting and i really have enjoyed kind of seeing Mm -hmm. you grow in that aspect of your lifting career no i mean it is super interesting to see because it is motivating like we all are really good about motivating (laughs) each other like living with you two is like the best thing that's happened last night i was getting yelled at to make food yeah exactly we keep each other accountable we're also always there for each other when it comes yeah. to living. We give each other so much crap. If anyone, the people that know us in real life know we are always getting on each other's nerves, always messing with each other. But I think at the end of the day, it's awesome to have a close group of people that you really can hold you accountable, really push you. And like, you can watch grow like first time seeing you deadlift over five <clears throat> after seeing you fail like that 484 or something like a week, two weeks, three weeks prior or whatever, like that was an awesome experience mm-hmm. that like motivated me an incredible amount. Right. Um, so like, I just, if any new people are out there, try and find you a small group, try and yeah. find you a group of friends that like, and even, we even took like a jump. Like I didn't know y'all before I moved in here. Really? Like we had known each other no. for like a month. It or was two. the night we were like moving my mattress. Yeah. And, and I that was, was like, like, you were like, we, we don't know each other. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> we don't. Yeah. Like we had known each other like a month or two and we all needed to move, um, whether we were living with our parents or with bad roommates, like we all needed to move. So like we all just kind of were like, okay, we're all in the barbell club. You two knew each other for a while. And I was like, I'm a new guy here. I kind of need to live with someone. So like, let's get an apartment. And uh, we went and it ended up being awesome. 
But yeah, so that's kind of my little ramble <clears throat> on about, you know, support structures and stuff like that. Yeah. Like you two every now and then. Back to you the know. mental thing. Yeah. And feel free to fact check me on the science here, but I do think actually most of the sport is mental or yeah. because the way the central nervous system works is like, you're going to lift a weight and that's why you see people shake because your body's like i can't do this you're gonna get hurt it wants to save you from an injury mm -hmm. so more times than not like you have the strength to do it but it's telling your body that you can actually do it mm -hmm. and so that's why so much of it is mental is like i could be i was at that 395 deadlift mark for the longest time if you can deadlift 395 you can deadlift 405 yeah, but two it was and a half plates are the heaviest plates in the gym they always <clears> say that that's, that's true <laughs> they do say that most of that 90% of the time is a mental central nervous system thing. And, you know, the point's old now, but it's like, I do think a lot of it is getting to that point where you can do it. Yeah. I do agree. And also I'm still at a barrier for like my bench press. Like I've stayed around the 402, 407 mark for a long time. And yes, I've gotten past that 400 barrier, but I failed 418 um, in my last prep, which if y'all could see the 407, like 418, 418 should be there, like 100%. And I failed that. And my body went into like complete shock, you know, shaking for like two minutes, like completely wigged out. And it's still like, I cannot pause four or five and it'd be like, boom, boom, like four or five is no problem. But getting past that, like to 418, especially like in a competition, like it's still that mental barrier is there. And it's something that I'm always working on and trying to be better at and build a more confident bench press. My bench press is my best lift comparatively to my other lifts, but also it makes, it gives me the most stress because I feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself with that lift. Sorry, Cause like I lift. should be, yeah, like I should be good at this. So like I sh can't be missing lifts. Like I can't, I should be perfect. Especially in comps. So like that's where I cover mm -hmm. not crazy square, crazy deadlift, but bench press, I'm going to cover a good bit of distance yeah. on it. Exactly. And that's the same thing I did. So like, I, I just feel like there's a lot of pressure. And I feel like all of us have that, you know, your deadlift, your bench too. Like if bench doesn't feel great that day, it's like, shoot, it's like I, I, it needs to be feeling good. Like I need to have this under control. You with deadlift, like when your fingers are all types of messed up, it's like, like it's shut, you know, you put that pressure on yourself. And I mean, it's just a true thing. It's, you know, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. For bench press and competitions, it's the most variable base. Yes. Like one, you never know the referee if it's going to be long pause, whatever, just a hair long. Mm -hmm. It's the only one that's like timed, like however yeah. long it takes Swabble, on your chest. You can go down and up as fast as you want. All, All you got to do is make that. As long. You just have to hold it long enough mm -hmm. like the tougher deadlift. And deadlifting, I mean, if you can get it up most of the time, it's not going to slip at the very top. Well, except for, no, I mean, like once you lock it out, you can usually so hold it like a I, I see a lot of deadlifts. Did you see I, me deadlifting yesterday? And I had the one where I fell over the bar. Yeah, that's because I locked out so fast and overextended. It broke the lock in my knees and I fell forward. With yeah. like, and I mean that can happen, but I feel like a lot of people in comp are not pulling up a deadlift. Well, with most max leverage guys, <laughs> that's how. Like, that's yeah. our biggest fight is that. Like yeah. for you, it's not that, but for us, it's we can keep our chest up, we can lock out, but our lockout holding it at the top. It's why I have pauses there because it's the hardest thing for me to do. That's fair. I also have pauses at the top every once in a while. Well, that's just mainly I'm working on my grip strength. Now. Right. Like, because um, as we all know, I won't go over it again. My deadlift ripped out of my finger. Never want that to happen again. Um, yeah. And it's also, Becky, my hands are in shambles. Oh, so. you pull mixed. You can't talk. <laughs> you don't, okay, Dude, that's your right fault. Here. All you have is your thumb. Yeah, we have all of our fingers. 
This is a man. You got soft hands there, boy. You ain't working eighty hours a week, brother. You I got literally, soft hands. I, I literally worked seventy hour weeks. I don't even see my ago. family anymore. I, I sleep in my truck. I didn't see you guys for like two months. Soft <laughs> man. Uh, that's funny. All right, continuing on topics. Topics. This is one I like because it's come up in my life before. I've called it the danger of a certification. Mm-hmm. So I, agree with that for sure. I think the first thing is like, what does a certification mean? You know, so, and it's, you want to take it? No, you're good. No, I, I just have certifications. Yeah. I so have- you have certifications. You have certifications. I don't. So technically, you don't have to listen to anything I say. And mm-hmm. I can, you know. I think more so certifications nowadays are more of a legal thing than they are oh, yeah. actual knowledge. Because in my NASM, I'm an NASM CPT, as well as a sport nutrition coach. So in not as much in the nutrition realm, but in the personal trainer realm, my teacher that taught that course and any other real personal trainers or real coaches that I know that are more knowledgeable than you know the people that have been doing it 20, 30, 40 years, all of them are like, that certification doesn't mean anything. And more than like 50% of the stuff they teach you is not right. All of their ideologies are completely in shambles. It's all super outdated. None of it's really worthy. It's just having the certification can kind of get your foot in that door. If you want to be in that personal trainer realm or that coaching realm, you need to have that. Even though 50 to 75% of it is complete BS and just does not make any logical sense and stuff that you just should not do. And I know any of the other NASM um, CPTs out there, y'all all probably have heard that before. And if you haven't, Talk to someone that's super knowledgeable that has been through that course, and they will tell you literally 50 to 75% is complete BS. So that's why kind of we're bringing up this topic of, oh, he has NA, or he or she has NASM certifications in their bio, like they must know everything about right. whether that's, you know, powerlifting coaching, personal training, nutrition, you know, they know it all. Yeah, exactly. Like, just because I have those certifications doesn't mean I'm an expert in them. But like a lot of people have to do their own research and that's what I've done. But some people don't do that. So they get these certifications and they're like, oh, I can, you know, do all this stuff. And it's like, you really can be hurting people. You don't have all the knowledge that you really need to on that topic. Back to you. That's kind of just what the certification. Yeah, are. no, I agree completely. I think it's a weird thing because we've all had multiple coaches. We've had people mm-hmm. we've worked with and we're bringing a host on. I'm going to tease it who is a very accomplished coach. And so- And athlete. Athlete, very accomplished athlete, more so than a coach, Mm -hmm. but both are great. I don't want to dig myself in a hole. (laughs) (laughs) Overall amazing athlete. You're gonna get 10 second pauses now. (laughs) Overall amazing athlete and coach. But it's interesting because when you choose a coach, you know, your brain wants to go to certain defaults, Mm -hmm. you know, like, okay, how many certifications do they have? How strong are they? What do they look like? Or that type of thing. But like, I realistically don't think that matters. Like when I go back and think of just sports, and I think that's where so many people lose with fitness is like, they think their coach has to be good at this thing. You don't have to be good at that thing to be a good coach. You look at the top powerlifting coach, they're not powerlifting more than their athletes Mm -hmm. or soccer coaches. None of my soccer coaches could probably score a goal on me when I was a goalkeeper. Yeah, like they couldn't score a goal on me unless they got lucky, but they knew the game. Mm-hmm. They knew how it worked. And I feel like that's the mindset some people lose when finding a coach, when finding a program, is they want that person who they think is like 
Yeah, and there's sometimes like, okay, if they're accomplished, like obviously my coach is super strong, so I can trust that she knows what she's doing. But even if she wasn't super strong, if I had worked with her and seen, okay, I'm seeing results, I'm liking what I'm doing, that should be enough for your brain. And I think that's where the difficulty is, is like that certification helps, but it also is like, what does it really mean at the end of the day? I also think one of the biggest factors of how to see if someone's trustworthy or not is ask them a question that you 100% know the answer to. Mm. Do research yeah. on your own and at, figure out, you know, a list of, you know, one, two, three questions that you kind of ask progressively, not just like sit them down and ask these three questions, but like kind of progressively you bring up topics of like, hey, like, why are my knees going in? And like, you know what it's called, you know, all this stuff and see kind of what they say and kind of what their responses are. And I, I think you're right. Like you don't need someone that's like shredded all the time on, you know, 6% body fat. That's a professional bodybuilder to be your coach. To be a Who's also coach. a 500 dots. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like 6% body fat, 500 <laughs> dots. Like it doesn't like, that. yeah. I mean, obviously you want them to have a relatively good resume. Um, you know, you want them to have at least, you know, at least for me with a powerlifting coach, I don't want a powerlifting coach that's like competed once or like never really competed. Personally, right. I, I do find value in that because powerlifting or like, you know, that's like having a soccer coach that's never really played a game. Yeah. Yes, you can study the game and know how it works. But unless you put yourself in those situations of like things happen so fast and on the fly, you have to be able to think about those things. And if you've not really experienced much like that, then it can be hard as a coach to put yourself in your athlete's shoes. Um, and actually, I'm taking a coaching principles class right now in college. So that's kind of where I'm learning some of this stuff about how, yes, you need to be knowledgeable, but also being involved in that sport is also important. Because like I said, so many different variables go into so many different things. You know, the squat bench deadlift, three attempts, something could go completely wrong. And you have to know kind of be able to put yourself in your athlete's shoes and be like, Hey, this is, I remember this has happened to me or happened to some of my other athletes. Like I kind of understand what you're going through. Let's do this to fix it. Let's try this, like that type of stuff. Um, so that's kind of what I would recommend people do is ask questions and right. actually see how knowledgeable they truly are. To me at the, at least Paralympic wise, I'm big on brother ever experience that you have 10 worthless certifications to me. Like you said, mm -hmm. I don't want someone that's only done one competition. How am I going to expect you to help me at nationals when I go there or states where I'm in a tight competition when you've only done one, maybe local to me where you haven't been able to play those games before? Because mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. when you get to like third deadlift, you playing yeah, games. I had to play a lot of games, games on my third deadlift. Games get serious, especially nationals when or states. I mean, states, states are the same Georgia, thing. You had that happen. It's yeah. at that size stuff now, at least in Georgia, where you have to start playing those games. And like analyze everything. And let's oh. explain the games shortly. On the so the the deadlift, any attempt on the deadlift, you have the ability to change it twice. twice. Walk essentially up to walking out on the platform. So sometimes you'll see in a meet, it takes time because they're switching it. The logic behind that is if me and you are competing and you're winning the meet, but I'm the deadlift specialist. Well, I'm going to put something crazy to start yeah. and you're going to get scared. And so then you're going to either <clears throat> raise your start or lower it to make sure that you get it. Well, you miss it. You overreach. Well, then I lower mine and boom, I've won the meet. So that's what we mean by games. Or even third attempts. 
Third attempts are where it. That's the biggest big. one. So oh, yeah. I, I think I put like a difference of five or 10 kilos on my third attempt. Which is the guy I was competing with dropped his because he's like, oh, shoot. And then we just dropped mine. And like, yeah. boom, it was fine. Mm -hmm. That's what we mean by Like you're games. literally trying to call the bluff. Like you have to. It's like poker. Push him out to the end. And that's where the good coaching comes in. Right. Like one is an athlete I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. That's a mental stress on top of the physical stress you're already in. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to deal with that. I want a coach that's knowledgeable and able to understand that to be able to do that without me having to worry. Like last year, my dad was, um, which one was the specific? I think it was, yeah, last year. We went to see Nats. It was my dad helping him with me. And we've been doing this for a handful of years and we've been playing the games. And it's a, he, uh, by the time we get the third deadlift, it's a, normally he's there by my side and kind of like asking what I need, but it's a, no, he's sitting at the table waiting till he's watching every single person's attempt. Like, okay, I know this guy does not have another five keys on. Mm -hmm. He throws seven and a half keys on. He won't hit it. Not stressed. This is what we're going to do. And that's just where that experience comes along where you can like kind of pinpoint and see like this guy doesn't have it. This is a bluff or it's a, this is what we need. We're going to try and scare him out of it and make him lower five so we can lower another seven and a half. Mm -hmm. And just again, I think like games. Yeah. Like you have They're one meat under your, under your belt. You just don't have that type of knowledge in my opinion, no matter how long you've been doing it. On the platform, it's a different experience than in the gym. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of I think a lot of people can write good programs. Like yeah. I, you know, I, I feel like me and you are not coaches, and like I could write an okay program. Like I'm coaching my yeah. sister right now, and she's getting stronger. Like all this stuff, it's not going to be like a professional level program. But like a lot of people can write programs. A lot of people know, you know, there's four week blocks, six week blocks. Like it's not super difficult and to do that. You're halfway confident. You can yeah. be like, okay, this is, you know, and people can give some cues. Some can be better than others and stuff like that. But when it matters that one day on the platform, yeah. I think that's where like having a really good coach, like comes in yeah. key, like crucially, um, you know, being able to play those games, being able to handle you responsibly, um, all that stuff. So, so in short, don't get fooled by certifications. Yeah. I think experience always comes out on top. I agree. Ask questions, be educated to a degree. And, you know, like, is this someone that it's weird, but do you vibe with this person? Is this mm -hmm. someone that yeah. is going to call your weaknesses, call your strengths, you know, help you in the meet day decision? Like, I know for me, I'm a little crybaby on meet day. Like, if I don't have my coach, if someone tries to take my coach, I'm going to get fussy. Yeah. But, you know, having a coach who's going to be able to be there and like, look, deadlift, like it's your time. This is your lift, you know. And again, we're super powerlifting based, but even in like aesthetics or something like that, having a coach that's going to be like able to help you and talk you through body dysmorphia, like that's a big thing. Like I wanted to cut and my coach was like, why? Is that going to help your body dysmorphia? Like, let's let's get to the bottom of this. And I think those are all important things when deciding. So don't get lost with the certification. You know, I think more look at the person, what they've done, their record. Um, and sometimes you just have to have a little faith, you know, having a coach just putting, you know, like I say, I give Becky two hours of my day. Now, time to talk about the other 22 hours. Yeah. Recovery. Well, also, I was going to bring up one thing. That was such that. a good transition. <laughs> no, I was, no, was, I was going to, so no, good. sorry. I was going to bring up one thing with the whole aesthetics thing. Did you all ever see that Chris Bumstead and Honey video when Chris was in the bathroom crying and Calvin, no. um, Calvin had the video going, didn't tell Chris or anything. And Honey just kind of, this was before the Olympia, Chris tore his bicep, all this stuff. And um, Honey was just like, dude, 
you've been here before. This is your stage. Go oh, out there yeah. like you own it. Like they told him like the most inspirational thing I've ever heard in my life. And for that, I was just like, oh my gosh. And it kind of reminded me of that when you said that. So like having someone that can inspire. Yeah. Exactly. At the end of the day. For sure. But sorry. To recovery. <laughs> yeah. That transition so was not as good. That was like, but, this is one thing I always yeah. like to say is I give my coach those two to three hours. Like, mm-hmm. these are yours. I'm going to trust you that you're going to get me stronger. But again, that gives me another 22 hours, 21 hours of the day. You've got to make that the best of it, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'll let you guys kind of take off with recovery. I'm sure we can all talk about the things we do, but. Yeah. I mean, today I got 30 minutes of light cardio. So probably going to go on the bike. Then I have the sauna, which, you know, multiple reports have um, said that the sauna is super beneficial to your overall health, not just in recovery, mental health, stuff like that. So I'm going to do about an hour today of like active recovery stuff of, you know, getting my joints moving on the bike, nothing too crazy, too intense, as well as going to the sauna. Yeah. So um, as well as I know Drew takes a lot of ice baths. I know some people are really controversial about that. I think if even if it's a placebo effect, taking an ice bath. You've told me multiple times that it helps your back. It helps you feel better. Keep taking them, even if it may scientifically not help as much as a lot of people would think. Yeah, I think even the placebo of it makes my back, I'm more confident now because I'm taking those ice baths. I think that's great. You know, I know you roll out a lot. And that's awesome. Like, that's super awesome. Um, I'm more of... I take, I do the sauna every once in a while. I do ice baths every once in a while and I roll out just a little bit. I like to do a mix of a lot of different things. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I do. And I didn't mean to speak for you there. I just know you take ice baths. Um, I'll throw a quick one in about ice baths and sauna science. I'm the, I'm the science guy. I'm going to give myself that name. With those things, they're great, but some studies show ice bath and sauna can actually reduce the muscle building signal depending on how close it is to working out. So if you really want to go down the rabbit hole, the science would recommend you wait around three to four hours Mm -hmm. before and or after your workout before you do an ice bath or sauna. Because I heard that recently about the ice bath specifically because it changes. I'm not bad. It releases like cold shock proteins, heat shock proteins. I don't know the whole depth of it, yeah. but the the cold is an anti-inflammatory yes. and you don't want to take an anti-inflammatory. You don't want a cold because that's going to reduce the muscle building signal. Also, very hot take. You should not be taking Advil, ibuprofen, unless it's like a very important. I think if it's session. a crutch, that's a bad thing. Yeah. This is recovery. We can jump into this later. Also, it's really bad for, for your you. body. Oh yeah, I know. Like if you just if you do it all the time, like yeah. liver and stuff, I know it's gonna be like meat day. Uh, I'll take four. That's fine. Yeah, but yeah. on a normal training day, I don't think you I should never take it. But anyway, to your recovery, you can talk yeah. about yours. Oh yeah, I mean most time, like it's a uh, either y'all will see me laying out normally on lacrosse balls. He does stretches in our living room. It's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the episode. <laughs> but no, um, most of mine is one ice baths. Like I've kind of been slacking my own a little bit lately, but it's a try to do them at least a few times a week, specifically after days of training. Most of the time it will be at the very end of the day, right before I go to bed. Because it honestly feels fantastic. One, I mean, my toes get cold. But the uh, right before we're hopping in bed, it's... Uh, they're shown to help you sleep. Hmm? They are shown to help Is you sleep. Ice okay. baths. 
then yeah, those are fantastic. Uh, but trying to roll out and stretch more, especially because of the back injury I had a year ago, and it's still kind of bugs here and there. But doing the extra time stretching, we used to do yoga a lot. Used to, no, you can't yeah, we haven't been going to classes. I've been trying to do the just some small, the small stuff here and there when free, and then um, the biggest. <laughs> this guy goes back, I guess Wednesday. I guess that was yesterday about the fixing of nutrition. And mm-hmm. I mean, obviously that's feel your body going to, but just because once I go with you, it feels so much better. Like normally, yeah. I'm actually diversifying, and it actually feels better. Well, I mean, race cars don't put regular gas in their gas tanks; they put premium. So, why in the world, if we want to be the best athletes that we can be, why in the world would you be filling your body with, you know, all these oils, these processed foods, this sugar, all this stuff? Why would you do that if you want to be the best athlete that you can? I've never seen one professional athlete that does not eat relatively whole foods. And if they don't, it's an anomaly. Like you are genetically gifted in different aspects that not everyone is. For the average normal person, I don't think people realize how important nutrition is and how important that actually can aid in your recovery. Eating those whole proteins, those whole foods, like that's going to fuel your body better than anything else possibly could. Like that nutrition and sleep, are your best recovery methods you can do. You take as many ice baths, sit in the sauna as much as you like, roll out as much as you like. Nothing is going to beat proper nutrition, beating those vitamin deficiencies, vitamin mineral deficiencies, as well as getting a good eight, nine hours of sleep a night. Not a hot take, scientifically backed. Is it my turn? You can go. I feel like I'm the the recovery guy. Yeah. I have dug dove head first in recovery the past year because – I mean, I came from a background of like literally getting four hours of sleep and I was miserable. Um, Optimal. No, very much miserable. And so, you know, the first thing most important is that eight hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. I try to be in laying in my bed for nine to 10 hours. I don't track my sleep because the data can be overwhelming in my opinion and I end up sleeping worse. So I try to be in bed 10 hours, make sure I'm getting that eight hours of sleep. But most of my recovery starts around sleep so i'll try to take a walk in the morning expose myself to some sunlight i walked to the store yesterday he laughed at me but you know getting that to Publix. yeah getting that wow. sense of circadian rhythm that's very important to me i was proud of myself it was a nice little walk that's cool. my mom was like how urban of you but to me starting <laughs> recovery based around making sure i get a good night's sleep so you know we're drinking these caffeine energy drinks but Caffeine past two today. Caffeine past lunchtime. Only 224 milligrams. <laughs> caffeine past lunchtime is detrimental. You'll see in Italy, they don't do that for a very specific reason because it's going to mess up your sleep. Caffeine has a half-life of 12 hours. It's going to be in your system. Yeah. They also don't drink milk past lunchtime. I've been and I'm Italian, so I can say those things. They'll drink coffee, but milk not past lunch. Anyway. Protein shake at 11 p.m. last night. Because so, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, everything is around sleep. So I watch my caffeine, try not to go take caffeine late. Um, they made fun of me for a long time for this, but I'm really big on blue light glasses. About an hour before I go to bed, I try to go blue light Excellent. glasses. This one, again, the rabbit hole goes deeper. I have a red light in my room because red light, blue light is very like, bad for your eyes and it actually tells your body that it's the morning. And so like if you go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and you turn on a fluorescent light, it's going to actually like kickstart and 
your melatonin won't release, and so you're not going to sleep very well. I made so, fun of you that one for a long time. Then I started incorporating not the blue light gloves, but like the red lights. Yeah. It actually feels. You see like the red light. Love turn on red lights at nighttime in their bedroom. I mean, without me for sleep. Yep. And then awesome. this is one I tried. Mm. If I had the money, I would do it. But I like mouth taping because sleeping with your mouth. <laughs> no, that's crazy. I'm Bro. sorry. Mouth tape. I need mouth tape is where I draw the line. Somewhere. Yeah. Dang, they did not like that. Mouth tape is where I you draw know, the line. They think I'm crazy, but I don't have a picture. Breathing through your mouth is really detrimental to recovery because you release a lot more nitric oxide breathing through your nose. That's why nasal breathing is key. They make fun of me, but whatever. No, I, I breathe through my nose. Go, I breathe through my nose at nighttime. I agree with what you're saying, yeah. but having tape called hostage tape over your mouth, Sponsor black me. hostage tape yeah. on your mouth while you sleep, catch me dead before I do the that. The first time I ever saw him do it was I was out here probably 1030 making my last meal. And I just come I to check is, the thermostat and I had my hostage tape yeah, on. No, but I he hear was like clink, clink with the toe spacers. <laughs> clink, clink. So I'm like, oh, okay, Matthew's about to walk in. Oh, I'm like, yeah. I'm expecting the blue lights on. He's into his boxers, walking around with black tape. Doesn't say a word. Just walks in, <laughs> looks at me, just dead in the this eye. While I'm here like cooking chicken. Touches thermos to that. Looks at me. And just walks on <laughs> back. Like, yeah. Yep. So toe space is another one. Really big on foot health. Most of the bones, ligaments, muscles. The majority of them are found in your feet. We're lifting heavy weights. You want a strong base. Um, that's most of it. I mean, I, I do wear Ugg slippers. Huh? I just wear Ugg slippers. Don't. Yeah, I won't talk about that. But anyway, that's better than yours. I'm, I'm super down in the rabbit hole. Does it work? I don't really know. Do I feel better? Yes. I'm rarely injured. Um, like they talk about, love myofascial release, rolling on a ball, just smashing something. When I'm sitting down, I'm normally sitting on a ball. I just try to be always doing something. <laughs> you guys cannot take You're anything seriously. <laughs> it's not that funny. <laughs> Could have said anything else. It's like that one video. I have like a was nine years old. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a video of him? No. Oh, it's um I forget the, the, the Asian guy. guy. With He's so funny. It's I forget his name. Guy. Uncle Roger? No, no, not no. Uncle Roger. It's I don't know. That was what that was like, though. <laughs> Dude, I'm just talking about okay. recovery. I'm sorry. No, no, I know you are. You just don't care about recovery. Anyway, they make fun of me. I don't get hurt. So who's laughing? Not me. We'll see where I am in 50 years. Maybe I'll be worse off. I don't really know. Um, eat well. Sleep well. Yeah. Eat and sleep. Roll out. At least. Because I know a lot of people Sunlight. don't want to take ice baths. They want to do that. Because... Yeah. A lot of people just are too late. Don't get into the advanced stuff. Like that's going to help you. The things that we do are so extra, at least for me. But you have to realize I'm already on top of nutrition and sleep. So like when you do those, you're going to see a really big change. Mm -hmm. But if you want to keep doing it, keep going down, keep recovering better. That's when you incorporate things like mouth tape, you know, um, saunas, ice baths, all that stuff is extra, mm-hmm. but it works. Yeah. It may give you that. It's not going to change the game, but it may give you that two to 5% where if you add those up over time, right. you're going to be that 2% better, that 5% better than what you could have been. Um, so, I mean, I know we give you a lot of crap. It's not actually harmful. Like I don't actually mean it in a harmful way. Well, and we, it's just funny because I, I, that, that's the one thing that I, I do make fun of you for. 
but like the blue light glasses, that's fine. Ice baths, saunas, um, rolling out, all that stuff's definitely beneficial. But like Matthew said, start off with just trying to get eight hours of sleep. Yeah. Then start off trying to you oh, know, eat more oh my foods. Drink a gallon of water a day. Oh my gosh. We completely skipped over that. That's terrible. That's probably the see top three most important things. That's how you water, know nutrition and sleep. And motivation. That's why it's like we're in deep because this is so natural to us to be drinking yeah. this much water, eating well. We have gallon jugs everywhere. That we just carry everywhere. So yeah, that's kind of like a really good way to talk about nutrition. Yeah. I think you have to master the basics and then go to the other things. Exactly. And that's I mean, yeah, nutrition isn't not nutrition, recovery. It's not hard, but it's so overlooked. Like, especially we talk about being collegiate powerlifters. So many people, at least like when I was on the team last year and it was less people, so I'm kind of calling people out here, but it doesn't really matter. They would not see results or they would be getting hurt. This isn't you. And they would be like, why is this stuff happening? All this. and But you look at their lifestyle. These guys are partying. They're drinking. They're not sleeping. Like alcohol literally kills your gains. Awful for you. It, you're, it's called intoxicated because There's it's a, a toxin to your body. To every single meal. Right. A drink or two once a week, that's fine. I maybe have pretty stingy views on it. But like, especially as college students, those things are so around. You have to make so many steps. Like, it, it's why I don't have a meal plan at school because that food isn't healthy. You know, and so that's kind of a big portion of it is like, control the variables that you can control, you know, like an ice bath, that's going to cost money, red light costs money, sleeping eight hours doesn't cost money, trying to eat better, you can realistically do it, you know, and so I think that's a big point too to keep into consideration is like, you don't need a $400, you know, red light, like mine's a $20 light bulb, you know, those type of things. Again, the mouth tape, it's cool. I don't buy it that often, because it's expensive. Work on breathing through your nose, walk outside, it is free last time i checked to go outside and get sunlight so the except for you first eight months of your team hmm? in your basement yeah <laughs> <laughs> being locked in your basement I had that, i'm joking out i had the mural that was all the sunlight i needed but yeah <laughs> the the core tenants to recovery are free mm -hmm. that's good that is good that, was like we could, that could be the name of our name of this one episode four core tenants of recovery yeah so it's really good. good one. Yeah. I mean, I think I just love recovery because it's something you can control. Maybe and also, I'm a control freak, but like you said, a lot of people are not super into it. So like yeah. if you can even get that, you know, just a little bit better than they are against your competition, then I think that's a huge key. Right. Um, I think that's a key to being a great what makes a good athlete and a great athlete, I think, is recovery. taking those small variables that you can control and really trying to be really good at those small things because those small things add up. Yeah. You know what I mean? getting a five to 10% increase on whatever you're putting in, like that could be huge. That can make or break everything. 1% so, every day is going to build up. Yeah, it's exactly. 36 to 38%. So that's the book Atomic Habits. I don't know if you guys have read it, mm -hmm. but it's about making small change every day mm -hmm. is going to be a 38% change on a yearly basis. Yeah. So me changing 38% every year, that's a big number. That's a really big oh, yeah. number. And so people like don't take that into consideration, but like, me drinking a gallon a day is going to change so much mm -hmm. slowly, but surely. And yeah. so everyone wants, you know, it's the same with the coach. Everyone wants the flashy big change. I want my total 400 dots within a year of lifting. Most of the time that's no, I don't know anyone whose first year of picking up a barbell is going to do that. Yeah. So not without any background experience. Yeah. If you haven't touched barbell, you're not going to walk in and do that. Yeah. Next time.
For sure. All right. Do we want to touch on anything else? I feel like it was pretty good. That, I think that was a great, yeah. was great little session. Close to an hour. You know, that's what sure. we like to aim for. Yeah. So um, y'all let us know in the comments anything we can do better, any questions that y'all have. We do have some special guests coming on, hopefully within the next week or two, that we're super excited to announce. Um, so yeah, thank you everyone for watching. And uh, we will be back. on. This will be posted on Saturday at 10 a.m. Our other podcasts are on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. So we will see you all there. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Noah Ray Lifts, the dot berserker underscore at elb 825 kg Follow the 225 podcast on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube, and Spotify. Spotify. And we will see you next time. Next time. That was, I think that was our best one. Yeah. That was a very good one. I think that one was our best one. That was very one. casual and good. Yeah. I think the conversation flowed there really well.